Thanks. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. And then we're going to, as we prepare ourselves for communion, let's pray. Holy Father God, we thank you that you are faithful to us when we are not faithful to you. God, we thank you, you are a God of steadfast love and grace. Just going to pray that right now, Holy Spirit, you would just come, wake up our hearts and our minds to your word. Help us to see it as your word. Help us to hear it as your word. Help us to want to live it out because it is your word. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we can have in Christ. Help us to know and grow in what it means to be free. Lord, guys, pray that you would protect the churches in our area that are preaching the gospel, and I pray that you would just move in a great way, bring revival to our area. I pray the Holy Spirit, you would wake people up to the truth of who you are. Do it here in our church. God, give us hearts for you. Be with those who are struggling this morning emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Lord, strengthen them, encourage them, help them to know that you are God. Lord, help us to love you more. And thank you for Jesus. Amen. If you were to come to our house and drive around to our house, we live on the corner, if you were to drive around our house this afternoon, you would see boxes and strings and just all kinds of things all over the yard. Because Jared right now is huge into making traps. I mean, he's setting all kinds of traps to catch the squirrels and catch the stray uh, cats. I and mean, he is obsessed with these traps. And you, so if you, literally we have all kinds of things in our yard, some of them very basic and some of them elaborate. And just, he can tell you exactly how the cat's gonna crawl through here, trip over this, and this thing's gonna come slamming down on top of him. He's all about the traps, and taking away the freedom of cats and squirrels. And in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, Paul is all about freedom for us and not being trapped. Galatians 5, 1 through 12 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen from, away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers... Still preach circumcision? Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. The whole story of Galatians is about freedom. The whole point of the book is all about freedom. I don't think you can 
overestimate or overexclaim how much the book of Galatians is about the freedom that we can have through Jesus Christ. And Paul's writing to a church that he loves, who was walking well in the gospel and beginning to understand and live out their freedom, and then they started to get trapped by these Judaizers, these people who came in and said to them, no, to fully be free, you have to do some things. You have to follow the ceremonial laws. And then you can be free. And the biggest one was circumcision, the mark of the covenant. You've got to be circumcised. And these people who Paul loved were starting to fall back into being trapped and not realizing how free that they were. And Paul, all through the book of Galatians, is saying to them, be free. You are free. Live as free. Know what it means to be free in Christ. And it's the same message that we need to hear. It's the same truth that we need to, to hear. Last week we saw how does the gospel transform a person? How does that take place? And I think in this passage in Galatians chapter 5, we can see what a gospel-released look li- life looks like. What does it look like to be released by the gospel, to be free? Because here's the situation. If you are not moving closer to Christ... If Jesus is not being more of the center of your life and your desires, your grasp of the gospel has been trapped. And you are not being free the way God wants you to be free. And Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5 what it means to be free, how to be free, and what does a life look like that has been released by the gospel. Say, why is this important? Why do I need to know this? Why do I need to find out what life looks like? Because if you're not growing in the gospel, you are in great danger of going down a path that will cost you great pain. So what I want us to do tonight, I want us to examine ourselves, and I want you to embrace the freedom that we have in Christ. I think Paul says four things here that show us what a gospel-released life looks like. He says the first thing, a person who is gospel-released is standing free in his freedom, He's staying away from Jesus plus something gospel. He's striving against false gospels, and he's submitting to the Spirit. When those four things are true of you, your life will begin to understand what it means to be free and released from the gospel. Because the truth is, the gospel is bigger than we make it. And we all struggle with understanding how free we can be in the gospel. It's not just this little moment in time when you accepted Christ. It is for all of life, and we constantly, every single day, have to remind ourselves how free we are in the gospel and how to continually let ourselves be released in the freedom of the gospel. The gospel is like a helium balloon that wants to soar. It wants to just keep soaring higher and higher, and that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be free in Christ, and every single day we need to remind ourselves so we don't get trapped again in Anything but the freedom of the gospel. So a gospel-released life, first of all, looks like someone who is standing in freedom. Paul starts right out with saying this in verse 1 of chapter 5. For freedom, Christ has set you free. It's just a statement of a fact. He says, this is what Jesus has done for you. This is the facts of who you are. You are free. You're free. You're absolutely free. Stand in that. 
there's a lot of ideas about what freedoms are. When we hear freedom, we got to make sure that we're talking about the same kind of freedom that the Apostle Paul was talking to these people. There's all different aspects of freedom, especially in America. There is a freedom that is pretty much an individualistic type of freedom. It's this kind of freedom a teenager wants. You know, I just can't wait to get out of my house and be free and do my own thing. And that's why college students, they just want to break away and go and be free. So they want to get up when they want to. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. I just want to be free. That's a very individualistic, pretty narcissistic view of freedom. That's not the kind of freedom that Paul's talking about. Another view that people have of freedom in America is just the social freedom. We, there's so much oppression and injustice that we've got to break people free and help people get free. That's not the type of freedom that Paul's talking about. And there's this, this personal, psychological type of freedom that people want. That we can just do our own thing, be our own person, and figure out our own way, then we'll be free. And that is not the freedom that Paul is talking about, or that God wants us for. Paul says the freedom that he is talking about is a spiritual type of freedom. It's a freedom that allows us to do what we ought to do, the things that we ought to do. The problem with humanity is that we are not free to do what we ought because we are broken. What we, people say we have free will and free choice, yes, But the problem with our freedom is not that we can just choose to do right or wrong. The problem with human nature is because of the brokenness of sin, we are not free to do what we ought to do. We're not free in ourselves to be what we ought to be. But Paul says, in Christ, you are free. In Christ, you can be who you ought to be and what you ought to be. And this should surprise us because that's not what we deserve. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. We were bound by sin and our own rebellious choice against God. The Bible says that we were broken. We chose to go against freedom. We chose to go against and live the life that we were designed to live, the life that we really want. We chose to reject that and to become bound to sin. So we now cannot choose And you do not choose to be what you ought to be unless Christ has come into your life because we all sin. And sin is not just doing bad things. We sometimes think that. I think Tim Keller has a great definition of sin. He says, sin isn't only doing bad things. It is more fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building your life and meaning on anything even a very good thing, more than God. If you are living your life for anything than making Jesus Christ the center of your life, and you're not moving in that direction, that's sin. That separates you from God. You're not free to be what God wants you to be. So this freedom that we have in Christ should just shock us. But Paul says this is just a fact that you need to believe in. This is a fact you must assert. We are free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. There's a whole purpose of why Jesus came, was to set you and I free. That's it. It's a fact. It's a reason why Jesus came, is to be, let humanity be free. How is this freedom possible? It's possible at great cost, but not great cost to you. It's possible at great cost to God. 
Because the reality is, we should have not had this right or this privilege to even have a chance to be free. We rebelled against God. We went against His way. We decided not to be free. And instead of leaving us in our own selfish desires, in our own direction, God stepped in. He says, you know what? Someone's got to pay for this rebellion. Somebody's got to pay for these sins. But I'm not going to make you pay it. I'm not even going to make your son pay it. I'm going to make my son pay it. I'm going to kill my son for your freedom. Jesus was crushed by God, the Bible says, for your freedom. This is amazing freedom. This is costly freedom. But this is what we have in Christ. So Paul is telling these people, why would you walk away from this kind of freedom? This cost God dearly. He could have crushed you. He could have chose to crush your son. But instead he didn't. He decided to crush himself and he crushed his own son for us. So stand in your freedom. It's a fact that we have in Christ. So some of us need to say, you know what? I'm going to stop blaming God for all my problems. I'm going to stop blaming God for every time something goes wrong, that God's just out to get me, or that this is just a mess. God's not out to get you. The fact that you can be free shows the unbelievably largeness of God's heart. That he would see us in our rebellion, see you in your sin, and he'd say, you know what? I'm going to rescue you, but I'm not going to make you pay. I'm going to pay. I'm going to make a very costly payment. My son's going to die for you. So when you start to think that God's ripping you off and everything's going wrong so God's not in favor with you or you're out of favor with God and you've, you, God's not being fair with you, it's not true. You need to repent and say, God, is, you are unbelievably great. You sent your son for me. God is unbelievably wonderful to give us this ability to be free. We need to assert this fact. Paul says, just know this. For freedom, Christ has set you free. So stand firm, therefore, in your freedom. He tells us what the fact is, and then he gives us the command. This is who you are. Now stay in your freedom. Stay there. Don't get caught up again in slavery. Make Jesus the center of your life and everything that you do. It's for your good and for your freedom. So a person who has been released by the gospel is somebody who is standing in his freedom. He knows who he he is, or she knows who she is. She's a son and daughter of God, not because of anything that she did or he did, but because of everything that God did. And he says, you can be what you ought to be. You now have the opportunity to be everything you always wanted to be because of what I did for you by my son. So standing in freedom. And Paul says, look, don't move away from this. Because a gospel-released life also looks like someone who stays away from Jesus plus something gospels, which is no gospel. The word gospel means good news. The good news is God came for your freedom by sending his son for you to rescue you. That's the good news, the greatest news. The whole story of the Bible is about that news. From Abraham all the way up to the end, it's about the good news of Jesus. And someone who's been released in the gospel and is starting to understand the freedom that we have in Christ, they are standing in their freedom and they're saying, yes, I am free. 
I'm going to be free. I am free. And I believe it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to protect it. And they are someone who's also staying away from a Jesus plus anything else. Paul says to these people who were in a battle with this. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you follow the law, then Christ means nothing to you. There's no advantage to you. If you take Jesus alone to what makes you justified before God, what makes you right before God, if you take that, and then you add something else to it, like circumcision or law of any kind, something you have to do, good deeds, then none of it's, it's of no avail. Jesus is no, of no avail to you. You will not be right for God. You cannot be right for God. So if you want to be free, if you don't want to be tangled up, stay away from anything that is Jesus plus something to get you right with God. Jesus plus something can be anything. For these people, it was circumcision. Being joined to the Israel covenant, the sign of the physical sign of the covenant. But for us, it's all kinds of things. The gospel will not allow us, and Christianity, John said, will not allow us to sit on the fence or live in a haze. It has to be Jesus alone or it's nothing. You can't sit on the fence and say, I'll take some of Jesus and I'll take something else. You can't in true Christianity. But in church attenditis, is what I call it, you can You just attend church thinking that will make you right with God and add Jesus to it because you like Jesus. Jesus will mean nothing to you if that's what you're trusting in. If you think by giving money to things, Gonna, and taking Jesus is going to get you right with God, Jesus will mean nothing to you. If you think being nice to your neighbor is going to get you right with God plus Jesus, Jesus will mean nothing to you. If you think by praying and being sincere and passionate or that you prayed some prayer years ago and you check that on your box and you're good to go and your life isn't moving closer to Jesus, you're not trusting in Jesus Christ alone. It will mean nothing to you. If you think that helping the poor and, and liking Jesus, in the name of Jesus, but you think, by, if I do enough things to help the poor people, then I'll be right with God. It's not Christianity, and you're not free in the gospel. Jesus will mean nothing to you. You will stand before God, and Jesus will say, I don't know them. And, they'll say, I, and you'll say, I, I loved you. I said your name over and over again. I, everything I did, I talked about you. I, I posted things about Jesus on Facebook for crying out loud. You must know me. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Someone who is not released from the gospel will add something to Jesus to make them justified. Brittany Vocal was on a college trip this weekend and driving down the road, she came across this church bus which is, the name of the church is Bypass Church of Christ. It's not the best name, I don't think, because if you bypass Christ or you bypass the church, either way, God will say, I never knew you. Because Jesus is the head of the church. So if you think that just because you like Jesus, and when you were in junior high or you were in elementary, and someone told you about Jesus and you prayed this prayer, and you tucked it away, and you wrote it down in the back of your Bible, and you shut things up. And now, since that time, you've pretty much lived your life. However, you have bypassed Jesus. And that's not the gospel. Salvation is in Christ alone, 
by grace alone, through faith alone. It is Jesus' divine achievement for us. Circumcision or anything else we add to it, good works, is human achievement. And human achievement will gain us nothing. Paul is saying, why would you go back to this? Why would you go back to that? Why would we go back to that? Be free. Stand in your freedom. Don't add anything to the gospel. Don't add anything to Jesus. Trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's our only hope. And a gospel-released life will know that and live that. Paul says a third thing. We're going to skip down to verse 8. A gospel-released life looks like somebody who strives against false gospels. Look what he says. Because this persuasion, this idea, I don't know who these people think they are, to come in and tell you what the gospel is, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. It's not from Christ. Don't follow it. Don't you know that just a little false teaching affects everything? Don't even let it come into your life. Don't get tangled up at all in it. Because if you let any of it in a little bit, it will destroy your life. Because a little bit of untruth will have great effect. Paul says, I've never been preaching this to you. I've been preaching to you Jesus Christ alone. That's why I'm still being persecuted. Because if I was teaching what they were teaching, I wouldn't be persecuted. But then he says something pretty, pretty harsh. He says, I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. That's not your usual Sunday school type of language. I mean, we, and some people for years have said, um, we should need to tame this down. You know, Paul really wasn't saying he wanted them to take the knife all the way, did he? Yes, that's exactly what Paul's saying. He's talking about circumcision. Don't get stuck in circumcision. And he goes, as a matter of fact, all those people that want you to be circumcised for the teaching they're teaching, I wish they would just go all the way with the knife. That's a little harsh, a little brutal. But somebody who has been released by the gospel and wants to see the gospel grow is somebody who's going to be out against false teaching. We, there are things we need to be against. There are churches that don't preach the gospel and we need to be against that. There are doctrines that move you away from Jesus. We need to be against that. There are people who say, take Jesus and do something else and we need to stand up against that and say, no, that's not true. And so instead of taming this down, I think we need to realize that compared to the cost that God paid for the ransom of sinners, this actually seems very tame. When you think of what God went through to rescue us, and then to have somebody come along and say, hey, do something different to get what I have to offer, this actually seems very tame by Paul. Because it's highly offensive to God to add to his word. And it should be highly offensive for us to settle for a twisted gospel, and we need to be on guard against it and be able to point it out when we see it. The judgment, the judgment of God is coming against those who tangle the gospel. Paul said in verse 1 that it's a curse. They will be a curse. The judgment of God is coming. So when you read things like this, it seems, wow, that seems harsh. Instead of trying to tame it down, we should realize the great cost that it took for God to give us his freedom and let the Bible rumble in its thunder. And let it settle deep into our hearts and minds that we make sure we don't add anything to the gospel. And people who are free and have been released from the gospel will do whatever it takes to tell other people, don't get trapped in that. If the squirrels could talk in my yard, they would say to each other, don't go there. 
There's an 11-year-old boy who's got it out for you. Don't get trapped in that. And they would do whatever they could to keep him out. So Paul is saying, listen, this is what a gospel release life looks like. It's somebody who says, we're going to stand up for what's true, and we're going to admit what is true, and then we're going to do it in such a way that you can still be respected, and people can see that, yes, there's a reason why they're telling me that. Look at Stephen. Stephen preached the gospel passionately, and he was stoned. But even those who stoned him, Paul himself, saw it. And it so moved him by the way Stephen stood up for the gospel and stood for what is right. A person who's been free and released from the gospel strives against false gospels extremely serious. But a gospel-released life also looks like someone who is submitting to the Spirit. Look what it says in verse 4. Paul says, you are severed. If you, if you try to add anything to Jesus, you are severed from Christ. You would be justified, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. And then Paul gives the definition of living as a Christian. He's contrasting what he just said, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. You say, well, I thought you just talked about freedom, Paul. I thought this was all about freedom. And now you're saying someone who's been released by the gospel actually submits to the Spirit? If you've been freed by the gospel, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone, really? If you're really doing that? Submitting to the Spirit will be like a fish submitting to water. It'll just be like what you want to do. If you, the way you know that you're not submitting to the Spirit, or the way you know you might not be trusting in Jesus Christ alone, is when you hear this idea of submitting to God and following His way, and it just kind of goes up against you wrong, and you don't like it, and you want to fight against it, that's a very good sign that either you may not know Jesus, or that you are a believer who's not fully submitting to Jesus. Because submitting to the Spirit is like, this is what a Christian wants to do. This is how I'm free. When a fish is out of water, he can't do nothing. He's not free to do what he ought to do. You put a fish in water, and he can swim. He can live life. He can have a full life. That is the same way it is for a Christian. Someone who is gospelly released, who is free, submits to the Spirit. Paul says this in verse 4, Christ, you, who are, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So to be away from Christ is to be away from grace, which means Christ and grace are mutually exclusive. If you want grace in your life, then you have to have Jesus Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, there is no grace. Don't sever yourself from that. Submit to that. And the way you get access to Christ and grace is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He, will, he is our seal, and he opens up Christianity for us. He opens up the life of Christ for us. And Paul says, this is what a true Christian will look like. It's someone who has been released to have faith and eagerly wait for the hope that we have one day. One day, God's going to say to you and to say to me, if you are trusting Jesus Christ alone, you are completely innocent and free forever. The final verdict is going to come down. We're waiting for that. When we're going to stand before God and he's going to say to us, yes or no, you are going to suffer for your sins, or I'm going to accept what Jesus did for you by your faith. We're waiting for that. And a Christian has that now. And we wait for that eagerly by submitting to the Holy Spirit. And the way that works out is it's expressed by love. 
It is seen by love. If you have faith in Christ, if you're free, your life will be demonstrated by love. When you hear things about Jesus, or when you're told that this is what Jesus wants you to do, it's not going to be you busting up against a wall all the time. It's going to be like, yes, this is what I want. It's a struggle. Help me, Jesus. But this is what I want. I want to live this way. I want this. I want to be free. That's what you want. If that's not your life, you may have not been released. You may still be trapped in sin, or your gospel is so tied up that you need to repent and ask God to release you so you can better fully understand the gospel. Jesus lived his life like this. Jesus, Paul says, or Peter says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus lived his entire life as a man, 100% God, 100% man. He gave up his powers as a God, but he lived perfectly. He lived that way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing for us is the same spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit that we have. There is one Holy Spirit. So we can be like Jesus because Jesus, as a man, was guided and led by the Holy Spirit, submitting to him. And we are called to do the same thing in our freedom. And when you do that, you will breathe. Your life will fly. You will be raised up and living the life you've always wanted to live. That's the power of the gospel. If you're buttoned up against that, there's sin that needs to be repented of. Because someone who is gospel-released will say, yes, how do I submit to the Spirit more? What am I making more than Jesus? What in my life is not what Jesus would want? How can I get rid of that? It's a fight. It's a battle, but I want to surrender to it. I want to submit to it. Because Jesus was free, we have access to all that God has for us in Christ through the power of the Spirit. Paul says, that's what I want for you. That's what I hope for you. That's what you can have. You're free. Live that way. But he says this to these people in verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Maybe that's where some of you are. You used to really run well in the gospel. You used to be free. You used to fight sin. You used to want to follow Jesus. You, you wanted to make Jesus the center of your life. You were going for it. You were doing, doing really well. The Holy Spirit was leading you. And all of a sudden, though, somebody cut in. Well, that's what that means. They cut in, and now you, or something cut in, and now you're not living that way. You're not as free as you used to be. The grace of God isn't like you thought it should be. You've been tangled up, and you need to be freed from the gospel. Mary Decker Slaney, in 1984, was in the Olympics. She's the greatest long-distance runner America has ever produced. For years, she had all these records, world records, American records. In the 1984 Olympics, she was in a 3,000-meter race with an 18-year-old Zola Budd who ran barefoot. You remember this? And Zola Budd just became a citizen. I remember this like this was yesterday. I watched this race live. And Mary Decker was supposed to win it. She was supposed to finally get her gold medal. It was going to be, yes, this was Mary's time. And it was Mary Decker and Zola Budd. Those were the two ones who were in competition. And the race began, and Mary was running well. She led the race for most of the way. She was doing excellently. And then all of a sudden, Zola Budd cut in on her. And she moved in too soon. 
and it tripped Mary Decker. It's a classic sports pictures. Mary Decker went tumbling down, and then she looks up, and they catch her in sheer agony, watching as all the runners keep moving forward, and she knows that she has been trapped. She has been, all her dreams have been devastated. And Mary Decker failed, and Zola Budd, who looked at Mary Decker as her hero, fell back to seventh place, and both of them ended the race in tears. And Zola Budd went up to Mary Decker afterwards and tried to apologize. And Mary Decker said, don't bother. And there was a bitter, bitterness for years. And even now they've apologized, but it's still not what it could have been. But there is one better than Mary Decker. Jesus Christ came for us. And he says, you were running well. If we will follow Jesus, we can run well. Maybe your gospel has been tied down. Maybe morally you've failed and struggled. Jesus says, There's, you can bother. I will cleanse you. Come, let me cleanse you. Maybe money has consumed your life. Jesus says, come, find your treasure in me. Maybe your mood has not been what it's supposed to have been. You're just frustrated and you're fearful. Jesus says, come, Bother me. Come bother me, and I will satisfy your life. A gospel-freed person says yes to Jesus. There is one who, when you come to him, he will answer you, and he will give you the freedom that you want. Live in your freedom. Jesus invites us to come, to live life free, to live it completely satisfied. Are you doing it? A gospel-released life looks this way, and it is for us if we will accept it. Maybe you this morning have never totally submitted to Jesus Christ. You're still trying to live your life your way. Jesus says, come, just come to me. All those things that have tripped you up, bring them to me, and I will release them. I took them on the cross. I died on the cross for you. I rose from the dead. My resurrection proves to you that you can be free, that there is hope for you. Just come. Communion is about us coming and remembering what Jesus did for us, not just to remember the past, but because we can remember that Jesus is alive, and because of that, grace is available for us tomorrow. We do not have to base our lives on our morality, our money, or our mood. We can base our lives on Jesus Christ alone. And as we continually come, he will always accept us and allow us to be free. Maybe this morning you need to repent. Maybe this is not your life. Maybe this is not the picture of your life. You are not gospel released. I would encourage you, if you've never come to Jesus, repent. See Jesus for who he is. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and take over your life. Maybe you are a believer, but you're not been living this way. Repent. Find out what's been cutting you off. Take it to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. He will forgive you. And come and submit again to the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the beauty of communion. It is for us who are sinners to be reminded of what Jesus did for us, that we can come and remember what he did because grace in the future is available and Jesus alone is the only one that satisfies Let's pray. That's why we're going to bow their heads and close their eyes. We're going to go right into communion. Have you been gospel 
released. Are you free in Christ? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone for that which will make you right with God? If not, while no one's looking around, in the stillness of the moment, I encourage you to confess that to God, ask Jesus to come into your life and let Jesus be the leader of your life. Maybe you are a Christian, but you have struggled with sin. and You don't feel gospel free. Repent right now. That's the beauty of communion. It's to remind us what Jesus did for us so that we can come to him and receive and know that he hears us and will continually give us grace for the future. As Betty plays, let's just take a moment as we prepare for communion to do that.
shine.